0: Hey everyone, this is episode nine of the Uncivilized podcast. I'm Brady. Art is here with us as well. We also do have a guest with us today. A Julian Langer is joining us to talk a little bit about uh, a few different topics, but I'll let Julian explain who they are and what they're working on right now.
1: Um, I'm Julian Langer. I've written a few books, uh, Feral Consciousness, Feral Iconoclasm, Misodma. Um I've... You know, I'm involved in the Night Forest Poetry Project and I blog with Eco Revolt and I smash badger traps. And in terms of who I am, I you know, I am a badger, you know, um well, becoming badger from being human, and that's kind of you know, about as much as I can say, really.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. We love smashing badger traps.
1: <laughs> you guys you don't have a badger call, do you? um not
0: here that i've noticed in the united states but no
1: i said you've got the um you got the wild boar like the hog cull going on right now don't you oh
2: yeah yeah i've
1: i've read stuff about that yeah much of a hunt scene in the states
2: Mm Hmm. yeah so the way animal liberation here is it's kind of different in that like in like Britain from my understanding that they do much more of those weird like old bourgeois hunts you know against foxes and and stuff like that with dogs but here it doesn't have that sort of bougie that aesthetic to it I would say it's much more of like that typically it's poaching or just other forms of illegal hunting that typically gets sabbed it's much less less that sort of organized anti-hunting sort of style so it's it's really different actually the the animal liberation of of America and of like Europe or other country or other regions. So I find that interesting.
1: Yeah, because um, lots of the hunts come from, you know, big land, big property owners, um, trying to remove like wildlife from their lands and adverse commerce. And then, you know, people trying to resist, you know, the murder of foxes or the murder of deer as opposed to the hunting to eat them, just killing them for the sake of it. Um, And then the badger cull, has been um, a means of scapegoating uh, bovine TB over here because it's there's shitloads of it in the cattle, and rather than deal with shitty farming practices, they decided to kill some badgers because farm scum don't like scum farmers. I mean, um, don't like badgers.
0: The one thing that I will say that we have here in the United States, though, especially here where I live in the Southwest and in Texas, is uh, with hog hunting. They do uh, expeditions with helicopters, like sol- uh, small civilian helicopters, three or four people with AR-15s flying around and shooting as many hogs as they can get within like a few hours' time. So it's pretty wild.
1: One of the things that... They had a uh, boar hunt here a few a few years ago. I don't know if they're still doing it. Um, it's away from where I live, because I live right in the southwest of the UK where you don't have as much wild boar, but um, c- close to like... Uh, sheffield and that sort of area of the country um they had a boar, boar war sort of thing going on and they had these big um like towers that shooters would sit on and the Sabs went and uh destroyed the towers which was kind of a nice way of just dealing with making it that the hunters found it a lot harder to find the boar and shoot them um we haven't got anything to the scale of helicopters and whatnot because i think that's probably a degree to which America just has shitloads more money and shitloads more facilities for that sort of thing. Whereas a lot more, a lot less um, wealth around here with the hunt scene.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's actually a really good segue talking about, you know, uh, hunting and all that. I was wondering if you could maybe talk about some of your views on environmentalism, uh, your your concept of eco-absurdism, and maybe how that impacts your larger worldview, especially within, you know, with an anarchist discourse.
1: all right so 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 you want me to to tell you about everything um (laughs) (laughs) Um, so in my my view on environmentalism um it's very much tied to my my view on egoism um and my view on on the self so i am as much as i am a individual i am an environment in terms of my body is an environment for lots of different living creatures and with that within that my individuality as an egoist is immersed in an environment and you know i am i am in the world and i am a world and it's a whole kind of complex um web feels like the wrong word but it's the only word that's coming to to me right now um is this non-kind of reducible relationship and in terms of my my views on environmentalism um environmentalism is tragically um, moral and kind of ridiculously reductionistic in its approach right now um, to thinking that we can solve things with you know solutions based approaches where we where we're trying to think there's a problem and we're going to solve this and we're not fighting for what we love and what we desire but we're trying to um, mechanically work our way out of uncomfortable situations it's a Horrific situation, environmentally, um, environmental, particularly here in the UK, the environmental um, scene in terms of environmentalists. Um, there is there is a lot of um, very tame people who are very well meaning and nice in terms of, you know, they don't like the idea of killing the living world. But they don't want to give up their, you know, their central heating and their sofas and their TVs. Um, who are involved in big movements, and with that, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of people who aren't in this out of a sense of desire and want, but in it for a sense of duty which is producing kind of a culture, which has you know, people who are together out of a desire to be together, there's a degree of friendship involved now. In that. It's what I'd call a tribe. Um, you know, you're not obliged to be together in terms of a social network. But you're being with each other out of desire that produces friendship. And right now in the British environmentalist scene, particularly I'm thinking of one situation with a friend of mine, um, which I won't talk too much about here but there is a lack of friendship going on that is atrocious in my view. <laughs> but that's my my view on, env- on environmentalism. If I can help condense what you sort of talked about, so are you saying maybe a solution
2: to this, like, like I would agree this mechanical, logistical, you know, rationalized form of environmentalism that perhaps uh, the, the solution is viewing things through, through like tribal or perhaps another way to say affinity, you know, relationships and solving it from there rather than from a, Large societal rationalist perspective, or am I misunderstanding
1: a bit? I'm not saying it's a solution. I don't. I don't provide solutions. I don't believe in solutions. What I'm, what I'm, uh, what I'm saying is, I want, personally, in terms of the the the, the culture of environmentalism right now, um, I would rather see people who have an actual desire to be involved in this stuff out of a personal desire to do it um, because that to me feels more beautiful and that to me in terms of if we're going to look at this in terms of a practical pragmatic way you know, if you want to do something you're going to do it better than you're going to do it if you're doing it out of duty or obligation um, but if you're only doing something you know out of a sense of duty and obligation you're going to do it to say the, to the degree that you can say it's done and doing it to the degrees that you say it's done is usually kind of shit. It's like writing, you know, in terms of if you're a student, it's like writing an essay that you don't really want to write. It's, it's never going to be as good as an essay that you want to write, um, if that makes sense. Um, and with that, you know, people who don't want to be around each other aren't going to do cool, you know, beautiful stuff. They're going to do stuff that's gonna seem like people have done something when they're obliged to be feel obliged to be with each other and that's usually shit that's what politics is and it's what kind of is what kind of seems to produce all the crappy shit that i don't like so i'm not going to say it's a solution i'm just going to say it's you know what i'd rather and what i desire um okay
2: okay yeah that's that's reasonable you know i i see that and that's sort of i think that's sort of a belief that me and Brady Bull shares oh, yeah. the, the way that we address environmentalism from this rationalized, like you said, dutiful obligation, especially the way we say it. humans have thought to the planet. So we have have to do this. They generalize everything. Humans, as if that's even the best way to even put the way we've impacted the environment is grouping everyone together on the same playing field with the same effects on the planet. So I, I yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. And I think that's a good way to put it
1: also, the, yeah, what the fuck is a human? Like, I, I, I'm yet, I'm, in terms of like, it's, yeah, other than this kind of stereotype that kind of works to a level, you know, I, I'm yet to find a real human.
2: Yeah. And, you know, if we want to get into that later, too, I think that's, that's an interesting discussion you and I have had just personally and then what you've written about and what, you, what you're passionate about. So if that's something you want to talk about after you discuss, like maybe eco absurdism or if that all kind of interconnects with each other, because I think that's an interesting concept.
0: Yeah, I would say even like the the movement here in the United States, the issue isn't even necessarily with groups. <clears throat> extinction Rebellion uh, wouldn't even be like they're doing this out of a sense of duty. I would say it's more necessarily just out of out of a need for social capital more than anything.
1: That is a a, a lot of it, definitely. I actually one of my one of my kind of people who I value most in terms of environmental um environmentalists who are in the british kind of environmental scene um is the co-founder um simon Bramwell, um and he is someone there are people like simon in in there who are kind of the people who have a sincere desire to be to be involved in kind of resistance against sorry did i mention he's the co-founder of extinction rebellion my rambling yeah but like here but there are people within that in that movement who are kind of very sympathetic to a less tame perspective and who, who are kind of more you know poetically driven than they are kind of um, logically driven if we're going to put it kind of do that split where it's kind of you know that, that we need to do this out of necessity logic whereas you know as opposed to the poetic kind of thing of, I want to do this I don't like this this is horrific and this is you know it's much more dramatic the kind of poetic people um, but they're the people who actually give a shit and uh, as opposed to the kind of moral, we have this obligation, we need to do this, it's necessary to do this, or, you know, or the consequences will be too terrible and immoral. Does um, that makes? sense?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the scene just compared, uh, maybe even with groups like Extinction Rebellion in, in the UK versus the United States, obviously the cultures that they have around those groups are gonna be different, but uh, maybe that's just more of a, an isolated uh, phenomenon that we see here in the States instead of over there. But, yeah, I guess I was speaking pretty generally.
1: I, I'm just trying to um, be fair to my friend and the similar kind of the the people who are who are more kind of in our kind of frame of mind. Just not to, mm-hmm. not to kind of negate them and disregard their 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 position within the playing field.
2: Yeah. No. So so then when you talk about you know what is a human. Uh, and this is something that, again, you and I have talked about. I've seen you post on social media. Uh, the sort of, I think the word that you might have used, I might be incorrect, is dehumanization rather than misanthropy or extinctionism or you know, yeah. thing you know terms like that 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 in themselves are extremely moralistic or even that you could say inverse humanism or however you want to put it. That you talk about dehumanization. Is am I correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, so the the piece that recently got published. So by um, Radical Art Review. Um, so there's, in terms of the whole political misanthropy thing of humanity is evil, humanity has done this to the planet, so and we need to reduce the amount of humans on it. it kind of, first thing, it's working off of a stereotype, there's, in terms of, if we take a kind of, if we take this huge cultural identity of, of human, it doesn't really mean much outside of this kind of Biologically reductional notion of the self. Then even then, it's this biological stereotype, and there's not everyone will conform exactly to this stereotyped image. There is no kind of pure human. In the same way that there's no real goth out there. No one is actually this kind of cliched image of what a goth is, because people are far more than this kind of reductive category. Um, So it's a huge, it's a sweeping generalisation to kind of say that humanity is the problem. and also, it's a sweeping generalization to say that we are all humans. And so kind of in the sense of we all fit this kind of model of what a human is or should be um, in terms of what humanization has been, you know, in terms of in my perspective, has been this notion of making this image of what a man is and making you know, man made in God's image, God made in man's image, kind of that mirror image of each other. Um, and then making the world god making the world this huge kind of theological machine of salvation that we that's apparently saved us from nature the huge leviathan machine mm-hmm. that you know the social contract or the the, the church or the king or whatever is going to save us mm-hmm. it's in it all kind of this big messy into kind of weaving kind of rug, you know, that we're kind of, I'm struggling to find the word to put it with, but like thing which I, you know, I'm not kind of one of these people who, who wants to play this thing of, we should just make all these people that we put under this stereotype gone, um, because it just seems like a, a massively, it disregards so much quality there. And there is, you know, and it's also structurally it's quite racist because you kind of go and say, really the problem you know in terms of agriculture and industrialism and all these processes that have played out over hundreds and thousands of, and of years and also and then accelerated through the recent decades. It's not been kind of you know it's not been the North Sentinelese. It's not been you know the indigenous peoples of Australia. It's not been the indigenous peoples of Turtle Island it's been this very kind of racistly kind of humanized world where we've kind of said here are these savages we must make them human as in civilized man as in this is what a human should be we must turn them into, into our culture and which is colonialism and so that process of kind of globalized humanization um I, I'm a kind of, you know, we can perhaps call me a, a nicer dark green environmentalist and kind of uh, pessimist, but I, I don't go with the whole idea of, you know, we need to stop making babies and stop having children and we need to reduce the population by through whatever means necessary kind of guy. I'm I, somebody who believes... Oh, re- remove the kind of humanized apparatus, you know, however you're gonna do that, whether that's smashing a badger trap or whether that's whatever you're gonna do, like remove that apparatus however you can in terms of your life as an individual, and then disassociate from that kind of human narrative and create other living beings of who, you know, create yourself as a new living being, as a new species, you know, sterner, I can't remember where he wrote it in terms of, you know, a huge part of Stern's egoism was a rejection of species being. And, you know, and in terms of like Nietzsche's rejection of (laughs) me doing individualist stuff now, Nietzsche's rejection of nihilism was this human all too human position. Like nihilism in terms of meaning like the Christian, uh, passivity and life renunciation we, we renounce life as we make ourselves more human so to in terms of embracing this thing of life as in wildlife anarchy being this thing of the, i'm unhumanizing myself through these processes that, you know and there are other people who are doing this and you know so dehumanization is, is something that i'm calling a lot of things that are already in process yeah. um it's also what i meant by feral iconoclasm to a large extent um and yeah that's my kind of my thought on dehumanization.
2: Okay, yeah. So it's I like that that it's like this
1: critique of
2: you know, you call it a stereotype. I think another way is like a sort of ideology of what is a human or you know, what however you want to put it in, like attacking that, you know, however you want to. Like you said smashing badger traps. And I like the way you know you've incorporated poetry as, as a you know, in contrast to the the rationalized theory that everyone pushes so hard, but you find artistic outlets and I think that's I think that's a move that I think people, if you want to call them primitivist, post, you know, whatever the radical green anarchist circles you want to call them, I think a lot of the time they miss that mark because they keep up a human ideology while trying to deconstruct civilization. I think that's that's a huge, yeah, however you want to call it, like yeah. contradiction. Or you know, that that's mm-hmm. where the thought typically fails for me is that they don't really deconstruct what a human is. They just say rewild, and it's very face value. I think very often, it's a case.
1: so there's a so before i say what i'm going to say in terms of directly responding to what you just said i i I think we kind of i don't want to be rejectful of what is really good ideas and what are really good kind of really good work that kind of people have done but in terms of a lot of the environmentalists and kind of people who have thought and come kind of before us and people who are still doing stuff and kind of use that model there is so much is really 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 useful there in terms of a very practical, if you think about things in a mechanical, practical sort of way, very useful. But I, I entirely, there's a reason we call rock and roll wild and we call kind of, you know, and there's a kind of animal quality and a sexual quality to music. And there is a, there's that, that level where aesthetics in my belief and my experience are the way that we meet kind of these sorts of experiences where you know we we don't value trees really because of their what they do in terms of the photosynthesis and the way that they interact with with each other through mycelium in the soil and whatnot. We don't really value rivers for what they do in terms of the you know the the animals they support and what they do for all the flora around them. We don't, you know, or the bugs, or the fish, we don't care about that really. What we care about immediately when we first encounter that river is, wow, that is beautiful. I, 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 You fall in love with it, which is that, which is the kind of, which is the space that is missing from so much of the kind of primitivist and environmentalist discourse that is very kind of analytically great, you know, but it's just, it's just information and it doesn't meet people on that level of, yeah, that hits my experience and that resonates with me and that harmonizes with me. And I feel it in an embodied personal sense of, man, I I love that there. And it's, it's much messier doing the aesthetic thing. It doesn't fit in a kind of, in a way that we we like to have these kind of reductionistically sound arguments that are great and you can use in a debate, but, you know in terms of we're not going to be able to reason our way out of mass extinction we have to fall in love with with wildlife and wild living and you know that sort of way which is you know really something that is is not a sensible kind of logical thing that you can map out in those sorts of ways yeah no i agree and i, I really like that because
2: well <clears throat> i think a critique you know what you're reminding me of and you know if you disagree you know cut me off is i think almost you are uh, you are like you offer or you're putting to light even if you want to be humble about it in you know, however you want to put it this sort of opposite idea to thinkers that are more analytical or rationalized like K- Kaczynski and sort of primitivism you know what I mean this hard line got to be rational you can't have room for emo like emotional thinking about it and it's like but how like how radical is that thinking when that's to me that almost you know priesthood presupposes like the civilized rationalism.
1: I absolutely um no I so I I think that analytics are a really good tool in a auto-cannibalistic sense. So I believe that um particularly kind of a well, lot postmodern type ideas in terms of the analysis um ultimately so if you take um I'm, I, I, in terms of my philosophy, in terms of more academic-y type stuff, I'm massively influenced by a guy called Derrida, um, who was all about deconstruction, um, which, which is a play on the destruction on um, phenomenology. So Derrida was a philosophy philosopher of language, and then phenomenology is like a philosophy of experience. And so de- you deconstruct everything. You ultimately get to this kind of auto cannibalistic thing where you kind of you reach a kind of there is I don't believe that deconstruction goes on ad infinitum I believe there is a full stop to the sentence which is death um but then if you get to this thing where you know you deconstruct everything you arrive at and you end up consuming yourself and you become this you know this auto cannibalistic thing which I believe is what's going on actually within the realm of politics where actually we've kind of you we've deconstructed so much and we've you know and we've destroyed so much and and now the world is kind of you know we're this leviathan is in an auto cannibalistic space um if that makes sense yeah. um but then like just so I, I do i think that the analytic stuff is really valuable as a weapon um but as a weapon and so but i don't i <laughs> you know just to be clear, i fucking hate reading kaczynski right because <laughs> kaczynski is the most, if you've ever read his, like, his non-political stuff, his mathematical stuff. So Kaczynski's, his PhD thing was on um, geometric field, field theory. So he, um, uh, geometric boundaries, sorry. And he was all about this kind of setting limits. And all of this thing is about, he is, he wants to reduce things to the most logical program possible in a terms of there is a mathematical, mathematical thinking is problem solution. So there is a problem, which is technological society. And so I'm going to create these solutions to, to get there. I don't, I hate that type of reason because I don't believe in problems. There is no problem because there is, you know, because it's we're not doing moral discussions here. This is not a, there's not a right way for things to be or a wrong way for things to be. It's not mathematically reducible to problem solution. What we're confronted with is something that we find disgusting, something that we hate. That is a felt thing. It is. So embodied that you can't do this kind of, you know, this if P then Q then R type reasoning. And yeah, and, 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 and despite being, you know, um, someone who is analytically, you know, I, I, you know, fuck what, you know, what Kaczynski did in terms of bombing and shit and all that. I have no kind of respect for him on that. I have respect for him as a thinker who, you know, critiqued technology. He was, you know, he was did a great critique, but he is one of the most tame thinkers imaginable from a kind of radical environmentalist perspective, and he's also yeah. kind of <laughs> at risk of just flat out insulting the guy. Um, he's probably the most human in terms of human being violation and abuse of, of you know, yeah, because of like the humanization of the world being the violation of the world and the abuse of the world, most human environmentalist thinker you can come across um and so in that sense like really fuck kaczynski i think it was it might have been abe kibera
2: is that how do you say his name Bill you know kibera, what i'm talking yeah. about yeah I, it might have been him or someone else that said the explanation for for works of his like um anti-tech revolution you can just see his mathematical side especially when it gets into like self-prop systems which to me aren't incorrect but you can see the way he's trying to like explain them from. Like, you talked about his math background. That's what influences the way he sees things. And that's nothing against him. That's who he is. It's his background. It's how he developed with everything that happened to him. But, like, he's a, he's a mathematician. He tries to see society through a mathematical perspective. And, like you said, that's it's reductionist, and it reinforces human thinking. Now, is it incorrect in, in and of itself? No, but I think on by itself, there's a lot to be desired. You know, At risk of agreeing
1: I, with Abe Cabrera, yes, I I'd agree with that. He he's his, his mathematical background plays more into his politics, in my belief, than any love of kind of ecology, really.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, maybe you know you can offer I, not to say solution, but your perspective. Maybe we can now get into eco-absurdism and what that means. You know, we talked about it just before we started recording, and I found that really interesting. So maybe we can go over that again, because I think that will offer a different perspective to people they may not have heard of before.
1: Yeah. So, as far as I'm aware, you know, I, I've done a little Google, you know, but as far as I'm aware, I'm, the, I, I, I'm kind of eco journalism is, is it, is, you know, me putting together two terms, and I've not found in, anyone else putting them together. So, eco, not meaning economics, meaning ecology you know looking at absurdism from an ecological perspective and looking at ecology from an absurdist perspective um so really you know i don't need to tell you or kind of you know your listeners what kind of i mean by eco because that's kind of you know i we've already shared a commonality on radical environmentalism and we know what that kind of means to a large extent but absurdism really has a there's a whole kind of it's a there's a lot of ingredients which I don't want to kind of get too boring and kind of, again, like reductionistic and just kind of using just boring terms and whatnot. Um, but it's kind of a, absurdism is kind of a response to nihilism and nihilism in a particular sense. So by nihilism, I'm not talking about what most anarchists mean by nihilism. Um, but it's kind of nihilism as kind of Camus and Nietzsche meant as like life renunciation in terms of like Christian type thought. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of where absurdism starts from. Um, And then uh, in terms of Camus absurdism, like the rebel and whatnot, what not say that was a, his absurdism was a rejection of the nihilism of uh, the Nazis and the nihilism of, you know, communism as USSR socialism. and kind of Marxist Hegelian type thinking um, so what is absurdism to put it in terms of as as quick an answer as I can give um, it is nihilism so it's that kind of negation that destruction but not just that so and I don't in the sense that there are no nihilists because to be a nihilist you've negated yourself and you don't exist. And there is n- nothing exists that is non-existent. So there are no nihilists in this sense of what I'm meaning. Um, so absurdism takes the negation, the, the nihilism, and then there is a weird positive affirmation. There is a strange, absurd, positive affirmation that goes with that at the same time. So Bakunin's the destructive act is also a creative act. I, I'm paraphrasing yeah. there, you know, um, in that, so, Eco absurdism would be kind of a kind of similar to like a, a nihilist type of perspective on ecology, um, or kind of a nihilist anarchist approach to environmentalism. But there is also this kind of this this thing, which is the thing that really fuels a lot of me, um, a lot of my stuff, is this weird kind of really quite stupid positive joyful love of stuff, which is you know which is a bit ridiculous and a bit. You know, like what the hell? Like it's it's so stupid. Like, you know, a one badger is meaningless on the scale of like mass extinction, but it's so beautiful and wonderful, and it just makes me happy. And I can't deny that 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 love. And so there's that, that kind of that ridiculous affirmation next to something that is equally terrible and horrific. Um and that's kind of what Jacob yeah. said is. eco absurdism is for me um you know negation and creativity destruction and positive stuff going together in a way that is very uncomfortable because the positive people don't like the negation and the negative people don't like the (laughs) the the kind of the happier (laughs) stuff and it, it leaves you in a place of uncertainty which is another big part of um of absurdist thought is embracing the uncertainty of things and encouraging uncertainty And in ecological times in mass extinction these you know in this kind of ecological situation we are in right now we need more uncertainty because certainty is is the people who are certain of what with of what they're doing are fucking doing the worst shit in the world and the um so the philosopher Shestov um said that a philosopher's uh task is not to make people feel comfortable, but to make people feel less certain and to encourage that. I think that's the the project of anarchists, really, in terms of what I want anarchists to be doing. Really, anarchy would be for me to create more uncertainty and to not create this thing of here we have a comfortable thing where we can sit and be happy with that because this is not a happy situation there's lots of beautiful stuff going on that that beautiful positivistic thing i've just gone about but it's also we have no idea what's going on we don't know when we're going to die we don't know you know if we're ever going to have any kind of beautiful place to go to in that esoteric realm of the future which we never get to and doesn't really exist but we we're sure is out there and we're trying to get to and that's a whole load of other stupid stuff um but that's kind of a huge part of what eco-absurdism is in what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. What do you remind me of when you're talking about the badger is beautiful in face of the fact that it is essentially meaningless in the grand scheme of the universe, you know, however that wants to be phrased. It reminds me a lot of Max Stirner's quote from the Unique to its property. Where he says, I love men too. Beca- I love them because it, re- because it, it helps me, you know, yeah, reaffirm my own ego, like consciousness of egoism. Like that's kind of what that's coming through almost. Mm-hmm. That like it doesn't make sense to anyone else, but it makes sense to me, and that's what matters is my own my own love for things. And so I really like I really like that.
1: There is <laughs> if you've never experienced it, this will not kind of make sense on a sensual level. You can rationally kind of do the logic of it, and it makes it will make sense in the random rational way that animal liberation is so much an act of personal liberation in my experience. You know, it is a, Mm -hmm. there's, I, I say that knowing that there are hunt sabs who I've sabbed with who find it personally disastrous. And it's, it's such a kind of, because they've got, there's a very much a kind of martyrdom complex going on with there where it's, it's an act of I'm saving them. I'm not doing this for me. I'm, you know, whereas for, for me as an egoist approaching this stuff it is so personally liberating being able to just walk across the countryside find stuff that I'm disgusted by and deal with that in however way it needs to be dealt with and um, and that's something that I'd kind of I I, I really I, I'm not trying to preach here I'm wanting to seduce really um, to Borrow from um, Ale- I can't say his name right. I'm gonna screw up. It's Costa is his last name, um, who wrote a um book called How to Live Now or Whenever, And I'm not gonna get the first name right. Um, Alejandro, something like that. Um, but I I I that's I think that if I'm gonna try and seduce you guys of anything, it's you know it's you know if there's anything equivalent to a badger trap out there in i think you said one of you is from texas so i don't know where the other one's living um but um if there's anything like that smash that stuff because it is such a kind of cathartic moment of yes that's beautiful that's wonderful
0: yeah so i just had a quick question actually about that just in regards to like um uh, ecological absurdism would you almost kind of say from your perspective that it's sort of an act of like mental or emotional self-defense from the uh like the reality and the trauma and stress that we experience in this current society is that why you're kind of connecting it to your stance on being against the pragmatic and the emotionless like Kaczynski and other thinkers in that way
1: um I frame it less as self-defense and I would frame it more as rebellion um as kind of yeah that's fair so but um yeah so i don't so i i would not differentiate the um the psychic from the embodied so from so in terms of my my own mental well-being um that is a for me that is a very embodied thing so everything for me is is psychic um on the level of I, I ascribe to a theory of mind that is um, called um, panpsychism. It's very similar to animism, um, but I couldn't call myself an animist really. So I believe that everything is minded in some primitive sense of mind. So not thoughts and cognition as humans yeah. do, but I, as, as humans kind of as we do the stereotype do thought and cognition. Um, but I ascribe. I believe that everything is life. Everything is life, and that life is you know. Is not something that we're ever separate from, and that's in a way that plays into a lot of my beliefs on what anarchy is. Um, so for me, yes, everything, everything, in terms of that process, is a degree of psychic and embodied rebellion, um, and I don't divorce that from any other aspect of kind of my of what I'm doing because I've kind of in in a large sense of who i am I've, I've dedicated my myself to rebellion um not in a kind of martyrdomy sort of thing but in an egoistic yeah. i'm doing what the fuck i want sort of way and fuck anyone who's gonna tell me not to do
2: yeah um so how am i wanting to put this then so is this is this sort of panpsychism then is this what bleeds into what you call like guerrilla ontology
1: that that is one one part of it so guerrilla ontology is um is a term i borrowed um and kind of then made some few changes to um so panpsychism um is my belief that everything is alive on some level on a basic substance level and then i so in terms of that and i i also (laughs) in terms of the uh my experience of what is real, I experience real life as a state of anarchy. So we've got this kind of there is a real existence here that is anarch- anarchistic and out of control and and free, you know, in a kind of in a way that's perhaps an uncomfortable sense of freedom for a lot of people, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't find this as this as free. Um, and then there is this reality. That is built upon that, that we know it's ideology and there's buildings that we've built. And so there's the reality, which is a kind of you know the ideas and the the constructs and language, and then there's the physical constructs that we've built and put on this real, wild, free world. And so, guerrilla ontology for me um, is attacking through a kind of guerrilla approach to kind of um attack um this reality um so there was something i was going to okay, it's lost to me um so you have this these realities and it's, it's attacking those and then the way that the um the panpsychist thing kind of fits with that is this reality has been built off of the kind of the idea that the world is dead and so we're going to make the world what we want it to be as a kind of as our conception of life and with that it completely rejects the idea that there is any life to other non-humanized beings and so for me panpsychism plays into that as a rejection of the idea that the entire world is dead apart from what is humanized
2: yeah so that um I'm not sure if, you know, this is going back a little bit to when you are talking about the Badger and everything. You know, I think one of my, like, moments that sort of woke me out of the analytical primitivism, if you want to call it that, for for lack of a better term, I suppose, is I was, uh, I have this ravine by my old house before I moved out here for college. And it's this wide ravine that is surrounded by, like, big-ass, like, rich people houses, right? Mm -hmm. So I was down there. And I was just sitting, I was, I was up in a tree leaning against, uh, you know, the trunk, just listening to this. There was this, it was a cardinal, it was two cardinals and another bird that I'm not familiar with. I'm not really familiar with, uh, bird species, but they were doing this beautiful, beautiful bird song and they were all dancing together. And it was wonder. it was a very, the only way I could think of is this almost like cathartic, I almost felt enlightened for lack of a better word, um, yeah. It was very amazing. And then someone turned on a leaf blower and scared them away. And I can't tell you the sense of like disgust and like anger. It's not something that I can put into words. And I almost think that's sort of how you're describing this sort of it's not about good or bad. It's about what disgusts and what pleases you. And I feel like that that really connected to me that that memory to what you're talking about. So I feel like that was a very wake up moment for me when I felt that because it's like nothing can ever express how people relate to, to wildness or into feral to feral relations and stuff like that they're so egotistical and that's what pushed me more towards like an egoist post-primitivist thought that's i i suppose is very similar to yours just not as educated i suppose but um yeah yeah. that's kind of almost with uh kaczynski and the the mockingbird
0: um mimicking the car alarm it's kind of the the feeling i'm getting from that i think
1: that
2: was i think that was actually more of just that was made up for the for the show oh yeah but
0: similar similar feeling that I'm getting from that story at least
2: yeah. and I feel everyone gets that you know they have those overwhelming what is what is the word that um that uh fucking uh like Freud and them use for like extreme bliss there's a term for it that I'm blanking on that I feel like can be lack is it lack that I'm thinking of or
1: I'm not super familiar uh, with
2: Freud but I think that's the word
1: lack is the um is the, is not the term. It's, 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 a, it's a jouissance is I think how you say it. Um, uh, jouissance or something like that. I, I'm, I'm not, I can't speak French, um, but um, lack is, is more of his kind of, his his less happy term and it's, it's the intense pleasure and the intense beauty and appreciation of experience on a kind of erotic level I I'll call it erotic. I don't know about you, man, but those birds. <laughs> it, it, it is it is erotic in a sense of like it's what so it's, I I use Feral Fawn's term paneroticism. It's it's erotic in the sense of it is yeah. desiring and it's a, a an affirmation and appreciation in a bodily sense that is non. Lo, it's not logical. It's not kind of something that we've done from you know. We we want this for these reasons. It's just something that you just you just want out of this animalistic desire um yeah okay then that's what did you say that word was called
2: panoroticism panoroticism okay gotcha yeah i like i like that then i feel like that's a good explanation but there's one more thing i wanted from you until you maybe wanted to wrap up or anything is we going back to the very beginning we were talking about a lack of solutions and rather just finding things that you enjoy and smashing things you discussed is, you know, you and I talked about maybe a topic is collapse. And I was when we, you know, have a discussion about collapse and its relation to anarchism, anti-civilization thought and so on. Because I've definitely, me and Brady together and this podcast has moved away from what you can call collapse politics in favor of just personal liberation is a lack of a word, but, you know, you can call it guerrilla individualism, whatever, in face of the Leviathan. Because I feel like, Striving for collapse is reductionist, and you know you could say idealist or whatever. I just don't think it's a, a a platform this podcast endorses anymore. And I know you share a, a somewhat similar critique.
1: Um, I, so I am a collapseist, but I'm not a collapseist in the sense that is usually meant by collapseist, because I don't believe that collapse is something that we are trying to to get to as some esoteric future event. I believe that collapse Mm -hmm. happens continually here and now and it's something that we happens right now in present moments and civilization collapses every day multiple times a day and then it's constantly um needing to rebuild itself and re kind of structure itself and that's that work of maintenance in terms of attacking that work of maintenance that is the best kind of route for kind of resistance to go down um in terms of what i Practically, Um, but in terms of collapse, civilization has collapsed probably for all three of us in some sense within our lives. Where there's been a moment where it just all fell apart and we experienced something that was primarily traumatic, and has kind of we've found ourselves unable to kind of deny this experience of there is something fucking ugly here. Collapse is a you know it's it's a very everyday thing. It usually happens when things go wrong. So for me, just to be kind of, I'm a bit ridiculously open with stuff. But in terms of, for me, the, my first experience of civilization collapsing was my mother passed away when I was seven on a hospital bed because the hospital fucked up on paperwork. So she could have survived, but civilization collapsed for me then, and that was my kind of first initial encounter with something that was primarily traumatic and ultimately real in a very kind of that dead full stop kind of the deconstructions ended here we are right here right now and it also it's not just a a terrible thing in terms of collapse happening because civilization collapses in moments of erotic beauty you know between lovers it's when you have you know those wild passionate moments it's those moments when we dehumanize and we are us on kind of that in that way where we we know there is a qualitative difference between this social being we're being and then there's you know and then we're being ourselves it's also when potholes create you know problems for roads it's when you know houses flood when there is mold growing at the back of the fridge because someone at work someone's left a sandwich there for a month and not touched it um you know civilization collapses all the time we think of collapse as this huge, you know, megalithic kind of, megalithic, monolithic um, event to reach in some esoteric future, but that's completely not what collapse is. That's thinking in, in things in terms of like, historically constructive terms, which is the the logic of civilization. You know, we're trying to reach this future that we're gonna get to eventually, never comes, but we're, we're gonna get that and we're slaves to this process. But collapse happens here and now, you know, um, in a way that is far more uncom- uncomfortable to deal with because people don't like those moments of collapse um, but you know it happens far more than we can ever know and it's happening all the time which is and it's why in my belief anarchy you know <laughs> anarchy never died <laughs> you know anarchy never stopped and civilization is constantly trying to fight anarchy because anarchy is happening all the time civilization is collapsing with this coronavirus um they're not able to stop this in terms of like right here right now maybe in some esoteric future they'll find a cure or whatever and deal with it and then they will have rebuilt civilization but civilization collapses all the time
2: would you compare that then to the contradictions that people you know that marxism discusses with with uh you know capitalism that the it's constantly facing its own destruction but like you said it constantly has to rebuild itself but it's just an innate part of it that it will have these issues or do you think it's something much more broad than that obviously the conversation about capitalism and civilization are two very different beasts in, in a sense but do you think those are comparable ideas for people that are maybe more in line with marxian thought or do you think that it's a different conversation entirely
1: it's it's, it's comparable and it's different it, i'm that's more of an economic kind of concept whereas i'm talking much more um, i'd use the, the word ontological i'm talking about like the i'm not talking about abstract things i'm talking about embodied processes um Okay. You know, whereas you, that's fair. You know, if you think about just you think about structurally, so you will probably live in houses. All right. So is is it fair to say that you both live in houses or, or apartments or you know whatever? Like yeah. 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 Okay. So am I correct in thinking that you somewhat regularly have to, you know, clean stuff and tidy away stuff? And do, do that kind of day-to-day normal domestic shit you have to do that right
2: yeah yeah all right. yeah brady being the, the absolute clean fucking freak yeah
1: <laughs> okay. oh yeah I'm, I'm all
2: about that domesticated shit
1: you are <laughs> you are having to rebuild civilization in those moments so you have your space not not to the degree not to the intensity that we that we're talking about on a on a much broader scale but the space has, to some degree, rewilded. You know, if you've got mold growing in your bathroom because you've not cleaned your bathroom for you know a year, like it's more rewilded than your living room, which has just got some magazines across the floor. But you know, that process of rewilding is constantly happening. It's not, you know, and it's it's not something that's kind of abstract or kind of you know, in in the way that economics is abstract. Is is a very immediate thing that's happening. We're constantly in processes of rewilding and civilization is constantly having to work to rebuild itself which is why actually there's a degree to which anti-civ action is really easy you just fuck about with that process of rebuilding and domesticating it's you know yeah. it's it's you know guerrilla ontology is you know even if it's just fucking about at work you are fucking about with that process where you know where something's gone wrong and you having to rebuild everything it's 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 so much less of a dramatic event in terms of like you know terms of what people will think of as oh everything's collapsed within a day and we're, we're suddenly eating tin cans and it's all by like the walking dead like no that's that's not collapse that's that's just some dramatic story that we're playing into collapse is right here right now and i i would wager that all of your regular listen, listeners have experienced civilizational collapse at some point and that most people, while most people will be able to rebuild civilization for themselves, at some point, you know, after the the collapse, we all experience collapse to some degree.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, as soon as you started explaining that, I thought of a sort of a time in my life where I experienced that same thing. Not not necessarily as uh, traumatic as your experience, but I definitely resonated with that thought.
1: I um yeah. I'd want to ask what it was, Like it's up to you Yeah,
0: yeah no, definitely. Um, I'm from a rural part of the, the Midwest, a small town. Um, there's a lot of sort of uh, national parks and state parks around. And um, I recently, within the last two years, moved to sort of the urban Southwest. Um, and it was sort of this feeling of getting adjusted to more of an urban life, sitting in traffic on my way to works. Um, for hours sitting behind cars and hundreds and even thousands of cars in a row. And um, last year, around July, I went back to visit my parents. And every time I go back to to Minnesota from now on, I've I've done this. I go back to the same state park that I used to go to in the summertime. And um, there's a particular spot in a clearing in a valley where I'll put myself up against a tree and just sort of let nature um, get accustomed to my presence in the space. And um, I noticed a, a deer with her fawns, two fawns and turkeys starting to walk around in front of me and uh, squirrels and birds and all different things sort of accepting my presence. And that's when I sort of had that epiphany of like how I've adjusted to this more urban life, sitting in traffic, dealing with with construction and all that. That's when I really felt that, that moment of, of collapse, like this is not what I want for myself. And I sort of experienced that bliss of I love everything that's happening, me just sitting here and being in the moment and not thinking about anything else other than being in this sort of biological space and my part in that biological space. I don't know, Art, have you have you had any other experiences like that? I'm sure you have.
2: I mean, outside of the one with the birds, um, I would almost say, like this isn't quite the question you're going for, but I think this is a conversation you know, that I have talked about And I think I want to kind of want to know Jillian's perspective, because you kind of touched on it a bit. Um, When we talk about language, I think this is an interesting conversation to have a little bit. But language, um, you know, when we talk about you could love someone, I love you so much, but words can't express it. Like, I think that is a conversation that shows how. how How do you want to put it how two-dimensional civilization or or social being or species essence, whatever you want to say it is, like, you know, you can only, some people can only, a lot of people, I would say, only can truly express how they feel through this sort of primal, intimate, you know, you could say erotic connection, whether it be sex, cuddling, hand-holding, but like how constantly when I'm with my partner, I'm like, I don't know how to tell you how much I love you or there's no words I can use to express what I feel for you. Like, I feel that to me that is that is civilization failing to an
1: extent i I, I resonate with that massively so that's a huge part of um my my first book feral consciousness was on like um kind of critiquing like language and symbolic culture um and uh and then there's i I resonate with that whole thing of there is an ineffable kind of mystical quality to you know to those moments that you know in that way that it just you know it it leaves you kind of stumbling for words um and because you want to say it because we're, we're so used to to articulating ourselves through language um and then you can really kind of only articulate it through kind of in that way that you sometimes you can only articulate anger through punching someone and you can only articulate articulate love through kissing someone it's there is a aspect to kind of rewilding that is very much part of that um which gets missed out um because we're so busy trying to make friction fire and creating our own little spears to hunt and only raw meat um but no there's a quality to rewilding which is entirely what you were saying um, which i think is very um very important and, and beautiful and has immense value to everyone as an individual i don't i i'd struggle to believe anyone who said they had no value in that space
0: yeah no i agree um i think that would honestly be a very good jumping off point for a lot of people to sort of get introduced into this thinking because we've all experienced what um what art and you have just described those those moments where you don't know what words to use or you don't know how to describe your emotions so I definitely agree that's extremely important, and I think we should focus on on things like that more than we do cool
2: yeah i think I think this is probably a good point to end it. We are going on from my time where I started a little late. we're about an hour in more or less and i I really like this conversation. I felt like it hasn't even been an hour to be honest, oh yeah just because we covered we covered so much and' it's, I feel like it's a lot of ideas that hopefully are art audience or resonate with and maybe people actually be like oh this is better discourse than before with the, <laughs> the last <laughs> with the angry <laughs> train hopping and prims <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um uh one thing julian maybe if you want to talk about where your where we can find your books and if you want to go over your projects again we'll make sure to link them below but your books if i'm correct all of them can be found on lbc right
1: uh, so, the two Feral books, Feral Consciousness and Feral Iconoclasm, they can be for the, the US guys, they can be found um, uh, through LBC. Um, Feral Iconoclasm, I have a big cartel which I sell stuff through um, for kind of European people, and there's also through active distribution, um, you can get uh, both Feral Consciousness and Feral Iconoclasm. I've run out of copies of Feral Consciousness to sell. Um, so, there's where you can get those. Um, there's um, I've also self-published a book um, called Masada, which Art did a lovely review of, um, and um, you know that's a short story which you can if you Google it you'll find. Um, I've got a blog which is Eco Revolt blog, which you know you can find essays where I've been published elsewhere. I'm also a part of a project which is the Night Forest Poetry Project, which I'm just going to ramble about for probably a little bit longer than you're wanting me to ramble for. Um, But it's a poetry online project. Everything is available to read for free. We've got two journals. We've just published our second journal um, uh, on the 2nd of February. It is um, non-ideological. It's mostly kind of an anarchistic kind of type of thought, um, but it's all just kind of wild poetry, stories, essays, where it's kind of people trying to articulate that kind of ineffable stuff, which we can't really use words for it's a poor medium, but we're just going to give it, give it a go anyway. Um, and there is so much kind of that's going on with that project, which is really kind of beautiful and wonderful. And if anyone listening, um, is a poet or an essayist or whatever, and wants to be involved, just contact us because, um, we are loving having people kind of come to this space, Um, to be part of this little tribe of weird writers. Um, So yeah, just please, if you want, you know, if you're a poet and you want to be published somewhere, fucking well up for publishing. Mm -hmm.
2: All right. Uh, I think this is about done. So Brady, if you want to wrap it up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Thank you so much, Julian, for coming on today. Hopefully we
0: can have you on, on another date as well. Like Art said, I think we had a really good discussion and I know we both enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you to everyone who has been listening so far and you guys all have a great day.